draped in his favorite pajamas, Eason slipped nervously under the covers of his bed. Outside Eason's window, the wind howled. His old house had so many strange noises. As the wind made its way inside, it sounded like the house was breathing. A creak here and there ran through the house, as if someone was walking upon its old wooden floorboards. But when Eason lifted his head to look, no one was ever there. One night, his mother noticed Eason's apprehension. She observed his room with her large green eyes. Comfortingly, she leaned over him and mussed the top of his brown hair, causing her long ebony locks with their indigo streak to spill forward onto the boy. Moonlight illumined her arm, highlighting a tattoo of ravens perched on the branches of a sakura tree. When I was your age, I used to fear the sounds this house made until Gran explained to me that the sounds were just fairies making mischief all about it. Like the fairies in the Great Raven King? Just like them. Shall we read the book again? Eason nodded eagerly to her suggestion. His mother walked toward the bookcase, and the floorboards creaked under her. From the many books, she retrieved one that appeared very ordinary. The cover depicted a series of stones placed in a circle. Eason looked at the cover and remembered his mother explaining to him that it was a circle called a fairy ring. It was believed that you could travel through them to enter the realm of the fairies. One day, I want to be just like the Raven King. Then, I can save the Unreal and be a knight just like Matilda. Smiling warmly at his words, his mother slowly opened the book, when something very strange happened. The wind blew suddenly more powerful, and the house made a strange and human-like sigh of relief. The pair looked at each other, making sure they both heard the same peculiar sound, their wide eyes confirming to one another that they had. With slight hesitation, the mother began to read aloud, her emerald eyes strangely becoming brighter. The rain poured heavily outside as lightning began to strike. Ballad of the Great Raven King this is the tale of the great Raven King, who is noble, true, and mighty of wing. He dwells in the realms of the vast unreal, where darkness battles light in hopes to conceal. Only by innocence may this guardian be called to undo the Shadow King and usher in his fall. By the great queen's guidance, a path shall be paved, leading messengers to the one so that all may be saved. Let us now with the purest of hearts and with great bravery quickly depart to begin the search for the elusive sleeping mender, a human child who will awake our great king and defender. The Great Raven King Between our world and others exists a magical place called the Unreal. It's a realm few can travel to and from where many do not return, for they fall in love with magic, and our world no longer holds appeal. For those who choose to leave the Unreal, in their hearts they forever yearn. A great mother tended the Unreal. She was their honorable queen. In silver armor seated beside her was the great Raven King. Together they ruled over the vast kingdom, and peace reigned supreme. But envious became his brother, who desired everything. Known as the Shadow King, the fearful and cruel Lord of Darkscape, he was everything his beloved brother was not. 
Instead of harboring wisdom, he held the sickness of take and take. No matter how much he had, he loathed his brother for having more than his lot. The Shadow King waged a war to decide the fate of all. He trapped the great Raven King and his army inside a void-like realm. The treachery caused the kingdom of the Unreal to fall, by its weakening great loss, for the Darkscape Lord was now at Earth's helm. To the beings of magic this was known as the Day of Shadowing, for their kind and realm were exiled from humans begotten. As they withdrew from Earth, so did magic. The loss was harrowing. They became myth, and the creatures of the Unreal were forgotten. We still find the ruins of their abandoned lands, where fairies closed the gateways that allowed their kind to roam. Defending her weakened realm, the queen sent messengers with a plan, a prophecy foretold in the king's ballad to save their dying home. That their king could be awoken by the bravery of a human child, the messengers searched and in time the one was soon found. Matilda's strange behavior had left many observers beguiled, for she would set stones in a peculiar manner upon a clearing round and round. When she was at school, her peers would often mock and harass her. Frustrated teachers crumpled up her doodles of birds and fairies. You see, in her world, Matilda was considered a disaster. For somebody like her to be a hero would be most contrary. In dismay, her gran would say, That one's been touched by fairies, and fairy gifts only ever come with a costly price. Matilda's mother, thinking this was true, was also wary that Matilda could see fairy folk, and to her, they were nice. In the land of Unreal, a strange creature was Matilda's true and loyal friend, the noble messenger by the name of Teagledet. Together they vowed to right wrongs and force the Dark Lord to amend. He taught her how to travel by stone and to fight fiercely and with gut. With these skills, Matilda waged many battles against the Shadow King. Her victories made her a heroine among the fairy folk. The Darkscape Lord, known for his cleverness and underhanded dealings, devised a plan against Matilda, ensuring his final stroke. He knew he couldn't harm Matilda within the safety of the Grand Unreal, so instead he sought for her in her own world, where he had some authority. He sent those of little heart to hunt for her, and her memories to steal, and smiled as they found her, gloating immensely at his own superiority. Astute Matilda knew he would deliver his grim gift to forget, so she created a magical book with the help of her fairy friends, making something few would notice, and in a hidden place it was set, to ensure and fulfill her quest of what the prophecy did portend. Courageously, she vowed by beak, wing, and claw that she would not surrender. In parting with a woeful teagledut, she spoke a fairy saying true. Alua hoga pante gata And this meant an outlander, when you become lost, let the memory of all your past joys guide you. It is uncertain what became of her, or if she achieved her quest. On the night of the full moon, some say they see an odd girl set stones, laying them from right to left, then switching. She does not rest. She completes the circle, and what happens next chills them to the bone. Using a potent invocation, 
taught to her by her irritable mentor, and in the cold of night, witnesses confirmed with visible fear that the young girl shouts out, By day I set, and by the moon's light I enter. And she steps into the stone circle, and then completely disappears. The end. Ethan and his mother sat on the bed for a few silent moments. As he always did, the boy wondered what happened to Matilda. His mother looked at him. Her green eyes glistened in the dark room. Sometimes I like to imagine that Matilda never truly forgot. That maybe little things would remind her of the wondrous realm she once knew and protected. I like to think so too. That night, after reading the story, Eason's mother kissed him goodnight and tucked him into bed like always. He picked up the book and examined the cover as if for the first time. He wondered at the cover's familiar ring of stones and, at the bottom of it, Helga K. Franz's name was written in black ink. Outside, lightning continued to brighten the night sky and the thunder rumbled. Trees whipped about as the strong winds blew through them. The violence of the storm carried into Eason's dreams, and he found himself in a dark, endless void. In his dream, Eason walked through the cold unknown until he finally glimpsed another person in the distance. It was a young girl. He saw that she was trying to tell him something and started to run toward her to hear. She was reciting the words from the great Raven King in great urgency. By day I set and by the moon's light I enter! She desperately repeated over and over again. A giant cloud of darkness approached ominously behind her. Eason tried to warn her, but she was too busy trying to relay her message to him to heed his warning. In horror, he watched as darkness enveloped her. The boy ran faster. When he reached her, she was sitting placidly on the floor with her back toward him. He gently touched her on the shoulder. Are you okay? In a slow and unsettling way, she turned around and with a wordless response answered him with a haunting gaze from lifeless green eyes. Gasping, Eason awoke with fright. Lightning continued to illuminate the sky and cast eerie shadows upon the walls of his bedroom. The house murmured with small creaks in the wood and gentle tapping sounds in the wall. Eason pulled the covers up higher and closed his eyes until sleep overtook him. Upon waking, his thoughts returned to the story, and he decided to take the Great Raven King to school. When he did, the librarian informed him that there were no children's books written by Helga K. Franz that she could find. Upon further inspection of the book, she noticed that there were no publication credits either. She returned the book to him, and in disappointment, Eason left the library. When he returned home from school, he sat on the stump of a cut-down tree outside of his home, still holding on to the book. He knew that what he was going to do next was silly, but he thought, why not? Eason created a giant circle, following the instructions in the book. With slow hesitation, he closed his eyes and stepped into it. Opening his eyes, he saw that nothing had changed. With a sigh, he shook his head in defeat and walked back home. That night, the rain pattered against the windows, pouring endlessly. Rolling from side to side, Eason struggled to fall asleep. Strange tapping noises in the walls and scampering sounds on the old wooden floorboards kept him awake. 
he sat up and quickly turned on his bedside light. A sudden blossom of pain spread across his forehead, and then he found the marble that struck him laying beside him. Before he could register this thought, Eason noticed a small lump at the foot of his bed. Slowly turning, he saw something that resembled a creature from one of the illustrations in The Great Raven King. To his wonder, it began to speak. Hello, stupid human. I am Tigodai. I am not sure how you know that, but yes, that is who I am. We want to know how you cast the stones without us instructing you. Are you a spy for the Dark Lord? A spy? Me? Oh, no, I just... It's a book my mother reads to me. It instructed me on how to make the circle. Hmm. This is very strange, but... Also good. As awful as you smell, and for how slow you are for not answering my knocks, you are a human child. So, come along. Oh, I can't go anywhere. It's really late at night, and my mother would definitely not be okay with it. The creature ignored him and kept walking. With a sigh, Eason grabbed his shoes and jacket and hurriedly followed Teagledine. The small creature was dressed like a nobleman, which the boy found comical, but he dared not laugh about it. It was clear that Tickledut took himself very seriously. He stopped at the door and impatiently tapped his foot, waiting for Eason to open the door for him. And when he did open it, Tickledut was off once again. Eason quietly closed the door behind him, hoping all the noise would not wake his mother. The smallest bit of moonlight miraculously defied the storm and barely filtered through the clouds. It illuminated the stone circle he made earlier in the day. Tigledut ignored the bad weather and walked towards the circle of stones. Then he said, By day I set, and by the moon's light I enter. As he did this, Eason tried to explain to Tigledut that it wouldn't work. But to his surprise, the creature stepped inside the stone circle and disappeared. Eason followed, but nothing happened. Maybe it was the moonlight that was missing when he tried earlier that day. Repeating everything Teagledut did, he said the words. As he stepped through, he was immediately blinded by golden warm sunlight. The beautiful and melodic songs of birds singing struck his ears. Their songs were unlike any he had ever heard before. As his eyes adjusted, he deeply inhaled and took in the wonders that lay before him. Tigledut feigned patience as he waited for Eason. The boy looked around, and he was surrounded by a great and ancient forest. The stone circle was much larger now and enclosed a giant meadow. Fairies were caring for small flowers and enticing them to grow. A small fairy with flowers in her long and wavy hair played a strange game with a rat-like creature upon a stump. The game vaguely reminded Eason of chess. He noticed the opposing pieces for each side represented as the Shadow King and the Raven King. The air was busy with the dancing and the motion of the fairies. It was business as usual until, one by one, they realized a human child was in their midst. They stopped what they were doing. A few fairies rushed toward him. 
one flew alarmingly close to his eyes and pulled up his eyelid. Oh, this one here! It's got green eyes! Just like the last one! Eason gently shooed the fairy away. A gnome, huffing on a pipe, gave him a scrutinizing eye. It seems familiar like we've seen it before. I know humans all sort of look the same, but this one has a striking resemblance to the one before it, don't you think? Move along now. You're all acting like you've never seen a human before. Be gone with ya! We must get your stinky human to our gracious queen. She is just past the barrier. Barrier? After walking for a long time, Eason saw a golden web-like barrier. Teagledet made a few delicate and quick gestures with his tiny hands. He signaled for Eason to continue with him. The boy shook his head in disbelief, but followed anyway. For Eason, stepping through the barrier was quite different than stepping through the fairy ring. It felt like taking a warm bath, but instead of cleansing the body, it refreshed the soul. Eason felt a sudden sense of peace and contentment. Before him was the great fairy court of the Unreal. In eternal celebration, the inhabitants danced in reverie. A group of tall elven musicians played the most delightful music he had ever heard. They were nestled deeply in the protected heart of a timeless forest. Within the forest, old cherry blossom trees were intermingled. Pink blossoms fell lazily from the trees onto the forest floor. In the center of the court was an ancient, gnarled, giant oak tree. He noticed there were two natural thrones that had grown along the oak tree's massive limbs. In one regally sat the Queen of the Unreal. The other was vacant. Sadness filled Eason when he saw this, and he felt like something vital had been taken away from this place. A strange feeling of loss overtook him. With sorrow, the Queen too observed the empty seat beside her. The Queen of the Unreal was one of the most beautiful beings he'd ever seen. She shimmered like dew in the morning light. Her golden eyes languidly gazed, lost in contemplation. Her full lips were a delicate auburn hue, her skin the color of fertile earth. Her arms were longer than a human's and thin. They reminded him of the branches on a tree, because her skin looked like it was made from the wood itself. A variety of flowers grew from her thick, curly, flame-like hair. Upon her head was a golden crown, made of the curled branches of a sakura, with lovely blossoms throughout. She turned her powerful gaze onto Eason, and a hope blossomed within her eyes. She made a graceful motion, and the music and dancing stopped. She observed him with great scrutiny. There is something very familiar about you. Tell me, how is it that you came to be here? We have been shut off from the human world for a long time. Teagledut bowed deeply and quickly kicked Eason's leg to follow suit. Ow! Eason awkwardly bowed and responded. My mother read me a story called The Great Raven King, and in the story, it described how to summon the portal. The queen's eyes lit up and momentarily cast away the sorrow that haunted them. Please, tell me more about this book. He explained the story and described the colorful illustrations and how the book was made by Helga K. Franz. This sent the fairy folk into a laughing frenzy. Eason looked around in confusion. What's so funny? It's a peculiar caricature that Matilda made up. She pretended to be Helga, 
and would make us laugh to tears. Oh, how we miss Matilda. So it was her book that led you here. I wish we could have greeted you under better circumstances. We have been at war with the Shadow King, and I fear we are at the end of this battle. He has almost broken down the remaining barriers that protect us. Eason peered into the distance and saw the dark and stormy clouds approaching. Is there anything I can do? The queen pondered this and put a hand on the empty throne next to her. The Shadow King tricked my husband, the great Raven King, and imprisoned him within the Darkscape. Based upon what you are telling me about this book, he must have found Matilda and erased her memory of us as well. I can't ask anything of you, dear human child. It is far too dangerous. But I want to help. Please, let me. You look so familiar. Your eyes. They remind me of something. No, of someone. Child, tell me about your mother. Eason described his mother as best he could. He spoke of her quirks, the food she ate, and the way she talked with her hands. He noticed the queen looked pained. I see. I'm not sure how to tell you this, but I believe that your mother is in fact Matilda. How is that even possible? They have different names. They must have completely wiped away her memories of who she used to be. But we have a saying. Aluahoga Pantagatabega. Through misty eyes, the queen smiled and wiped away a single crystalline tear. Yes, yes, that is it. So she never truly abandoned us. Your mother was such a brave warrior. She fought so many battles to keep us safe. Therefore, I cannot allow you into the Darkscape. Matilda has already sacrificed too much. No, we shall accept our fate. Eason sat on a giant toadstool and pondered. He thought about what his mother was like before the Shadow King erased her memory. He wondered if she had been half-living or if somehow held on to her adventures. She never stopped loving this world, and part of her still clung on to the memory of it. It was as if she had never given up. He had to do something. I've made a decision. I will go to the Darkscape and summon the Great Raven King myself. It's what my mother would do. She loves the Unreal. I love the Unreal. Let me be your warrior. I promise that I will not let you down. He bowed respectfully to the queen, and she smiled warmly at his gesture. The queen heavily pondered his proposal. She looked to her subjects, who all returned her gaze with renewed hopes. She nodded to Eason. I accept your offer. Please approach my throne so that I may ordain you as our new protector of the Unreal. Eason's mouth fell open momentarily, but he quickly corrected himself. With his head held high, he approached the throne and kneeled before her. The queen placed a totem of a black-crowned raven around his neck. You are now our new protector of the Unreal. I am gifting this to you upon your noble quest. It is the totem of my lost husband and our noble king. May it grant you all his bravery, honor, strength, and truth wherever you may go. I'll do my best. Until we meet again, brave warrior. At this, Teagledut sadly motioned for Eason to follow him. Teagledut held his head down most of the way. 
he led the boy to an oblong doorway that was bound with many intricate locks. It took a good while to remove them. Tickledot, why are you so sad? I am sad because I called you a stinky human, and you are so kind and brave. It's okay, Tickledot. It's alright. I'm ready to go. It's time. Tickledot looked into the void fearfully. You do not need to do this, son of Matilda. I can take you back home where you will be safe. No. This is something I have to make right. I don't know how, but I have to try. And with that, Eason walked through the portal. Upon entering the Darkscape, Eason immediately had the sense that everything was in perfect order. The void-like realm seemed to stretch on forever and to possess an almost subterranean quality. As he was observing the unusual realm, shadow creatures began to appear and to approach him. What is this? A Herman? Get it out. No. Draw into its sadness and use its hopelessness to strengthen his lordship. It's only a child. It stands no chance against us. Continuing, Eason ignored them. He heard a loud cracking sound in the distance that was quickly followed by a resounding boom. Our dark glory comes. Tightly gripping the small raven totem in his hand, Eason moved forward until suddenly the Shadow King was before him. <gasps> With a sharp intake of breath, Eason hurriedly took a few steps back. The Shadow King was immensely tall and clad in old, dented armor. He smiled a sly, slippery smile. His large eyes were dark, vertical voids that made Eason feel cold inside. Enrobed in all of humanity's primal fears, the king represented that which had been stuffed into the Shadow Realm. He was a terrifying sight. The Shadow King laughed, and the sound of it drained the bravery from Eason. Did your widow queen send you? Did she ever tell you she sent someone else before you? In fact, you remind me of her. What was that girl's name? Mary. Margaret. Ah, Matilda. Well, Matilda is no more. I made sure of that. Your queen sent you to your doom, child. It's best to give up hope and surrender to me. There is no use in fighting. Eason clutched the raven totem until it caused his hand to ache. He made eye contact with the Shadow King despite his paralyzing fear and spoke. I will not be afraid of you as others have. I have come here to end your cruelty, you heartless, unkind monster. <laughs> the Shadow King laughed, and the Dark Skin began to warp with his laughter. Even the other shadows cowered in fright at the sound. Oh, you should be afraid of me. You've not learned what fear is, but I will teach you, as I teach everyone. Fear is a powerful thing. It allows me to control others. Eason stepped toward the Shadow King. It isn't the most powerful thing. I won't allow you to control me with it. What is this great power? What is its name? Surely you jest. Something so simple, you never noticed it. 
Eason removed the raven totem from around his neck. The boy closed his eyes and began to concentrate. As he did, an image of his mother appeared above him, her hair floating around her and her arms cast wide open like Eason's were. Her raven tattoo began to take on a new life as the ravens moved about in its ink and tried to free themselves from her arm. For the first time, the Shadow King looked uncertain. Matilda! How? She's my mother. She wasn't strong enough before, but now, together, we've got the power to defeat you. The power of love, love for each other, love for the world we live in called Earth, and love for those who dwell in the Grand Unreal. As Eason shouted this, the birds freed themselves from his mother's arms and began to fill the sky. Cherry blossoms rained down upon the dark sky. Some ravens turned into human-sized beings clad in silver armor. Others morphed in size until they were enormous in capes of black feathers. In the front of this army rose the Raven King himself. He challenged the Shadow King and time froze. Immediately, ravens used their silver swords to cut down the Shadow King's minions. The shadows retaliated, and as raven warriors fell, they morphed into shadow creatures and attacked their comrades. The duel between the Shadow King and the Great Raven King took Eason's breath away. The Great Raven King was adorned from head to claw in shining silver armor. He wore a dark, feathery cape and a curled, golden, oak-limbed crown. The Raven King lifted his mighty sword, and at the hilt was a giant raven's claw clasping what looked like the Unreal. With a graceful motion, he struck the Shadow King. The Shadow King split in two, and both halves began to battle the Raven King. They attempted to flank him, but the Raven King was too cunning and too skilled. With his keen eyes, the Raven King blocked the dark swords of both the Shadow Kings. Brilliant red and yellow sparks flew into the darkscape. The Raven King's sword struck, and cherry blossoms swirled elegantly, with the precision of each of his clean blade strokes. The shadows, using their environment to their advantage, sunk into the darkscape floor. Breathing heavily and covered in sweat, the Raven King awaited their attack. The Raven King stumbled from them, and one of the Shadow King's forms sunk into the ground again and emerged from behind it. The Raven King quickly flipped over it and struck it with his blade, but it split again from the impact, producing three Shadow Kings to fight him. One charged at the Raven King with its swords upraised, while the other tried to creep up at his side. While engaging with it, the Raven King failed to notice that the third had gotten him. With a sudden movement, the third slashed at the Raven King, and black feathers flew about. He made a sound like a human and a bird screeching in pain at the same time. Clutching his now injured wing, he was slowly surrounded by the three Shadow Kings. No, no, no. What do I do? I wonder, if my fear strengthens the Shadow King, can my hopes help the Raven King? Eason closed his eyes and began to focus. In his mind, he imagined the trees, flowers, magical creatures, and everything else wondrous that he could think of within the darkscape. Raising his small hands, and with gentle movements, he orchestrated his thoughts and willed them into being. The darkscape began to transform. Then Eason opened his eyes and saw what he'd done, how the darkscape had transformed. He had strengthened the Raven King and had weakened the Shadow King's form. 
They cried out in anger as the raven king struck true and vanquished the three shadow kings with one final giant stroke of his sword. The shadow king fell and separated no more. He was defeated. The raven king and his army rallied and approached Eason. The great raven king removed his mask. He had long black hair and alabaster skin. His dark, wise eyes held virtue, honesty, honor, and devotion within them. The king signaled to his army, and they all kneeled before Eason. With a newfound sense of courage and composure, Eason walked over to the Raven King and put his arms around him. He then returned to the king the totem that the queen had given him. The Raven King smiled warmly. There was much rejoicing as the bridge connecting the Darkscape and the Unreal began to reform and heal. Crossing the bridge in wonder, the inhabitants of the Unreal saw the new world growing within the Darkscape. The queen's eyes glistened as she ventured into the transformed Darkscape. Her elven guards and the ever-loyal Teagledut followed behind her. As she looked around, her eyes found her husband, and she froze in surprise. With arms extended, he ran to her. Illuminated like the sun, she leaned toward him, and they embraced, kissing one another as everyone cheered in triumph. To honor Eason's success, there were many celebrations. Joy once again spread throughout the lands, and Eason was overcome by a love for the unreal. He thought of his mother and wished she was with him. In exhaustion, Eason laid down in a patch of deep blue grass in the darkscape while imagining his old and noisy house with longing, and he fell asleep. When he awoke, the storm had passed. Eason ran into his mother's room and woke her up. He shared his adventure with his mother, who smiled at him. When he finished, she gave him a big hug, which felt even better than when the army knelt before him in the Unreal. What a beautiful story, Eason. I don't think anyone could have finished it better. Perhaps one day you'll write it down for someone just like you to read. But the boy couldn't forget his strange dream. The next day, he reset the stones, and later that night, he snuck down the stairs to return to the Unreal. As he opened the door, his mother, catching him, said, And where do you think you're going so late? I'm going to visit the Unreal. Well, can I join you? I've got my coat. Let's go. He smiled and started to laugh. He knew his mother didn't believe him, but he was grateful that she was willing to humor him. He reminded her of the words they'd have to say. By day I set, and by the moon's light I enter. Eason entered the portal first, so that when his mother walked through, he would be there to see the wonder upon her face as Matilda returned to the Unreal. You're listening to The Great Raven King Part 3 by Stephanie Aaliyah, adapted for radio play by Ghislaine. Featuring the voices of Valerie Smith, Ghislaine, Stephen Farman, Daniel May, and Ryan of Intervision. Edited by Producer Ryan. Produced by Intervision Entertainment and What Happens After 2am. With music provided by freemusicarchive.org and artwork for the Scintillating Stories logo, as well as illustrations for The Great Raven King by the amazingly talented Lindsay Payton. Special thanks to producer Kendra for encouraging our mission of sharing stories with the world. 
catch more shenanigans from Intervision Entertainment on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, and YouTube. And of course, on our website, intervisionentertainment.com, where you can also buy tickets to catch scintillating stories live in San Diego. Oh, and please find us on all the social media apps you use. We're here, and we're looking for you. Finally, help keep the vision alive and consider donating to Intervision Entertainment on patreon.com.